Something's lurking at the edge of the park. People be warned, people beware. There's a storm on the rise and it's covered in hair. Hear him cry, hear him howl. Looking for someone to disembowel. Claws like a hook, eyes like coal. Feet so big they're gonna crush your soul. They call him Sasquatch. Good morning, Wamenjika. Welcome in our local Jara language. This is Yowie Central. You're on 94.9 Main FM and you're with Sarah Bignall. This is the community radio show where we bring you the latest on Yowie research in Australia and we delve into the vast and fascinating realm of Bigfoot, Sasquatch and cryptozoology from here and around the world. Coming up later in the show, we're going to listen to the final ghost story that my lovely guest from last week's show, Jazz, told me, but I ran out of time to share it with you last week. But first up, I had a fascinating chat the other day with Yowie enthusiast and investigator, part-time, and professional muso, Brett, who had an interesting encounter down near... Lake Tyres Aboriginal Trust in Victoria this year in June, so 2020. He was lucky enough to do some field research with an Aboriginal man called Hartley and they encountered tracks, noticed an overpowering stench at one stage and heard what sounded like bipedal footsteps. Check it out. Brett, welcome to Yowie Central. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's, it's great to have you on. So we spoke uh, a couple of weeks ago and you, you contacted me about this really interesting experience and encounter you had down at Lake Tyres uh, in Victoria and down on the Aboriginal Trust land. And I think um, our listeners would just love to hear about it. Do you want to tell me, tell me all about it? Sure. Um, I just happened to have a chance, an uh, encounter with a, an Aboriginal fellow who's now become a, a good friend of mine. And he lives down in a spot called Kalimna, uh, which is just five minutes out of the out of the town, main town of Lake Entrance. Well, basically, I met his sister initially, and um, I interviewed her, and she didn't have a lot to tell me, but she said, if you want to have an encounter, go down and meet Hartley, go down to Lake Entrance, he'll take you out and show you where these uh, Dulagars are. So that's what I did. I went down and um, over a weekend, uh, the first day was like a Saturday afternoon. We went out to an area called Burnt Bridge, also known as Cherry Tree, also known as Turlu, T-O-O-R-L-O-O. Now, this is just a, just a walk that goes along one of the many lakes that um, run down there, very large lake. And we were just walking along the bank. The first thing we saw was a uh, like a seabird that had been smashed into the ground by a branch that was probably about a metre long. It just looked very odd. It looked like something had sort of beaten it into the ground, if you know what I mean. About five metres, ten to five to ten metres up from that, we found a swan that had been gutted, completely ripped in half and gutted. I'm sort of listening to Harley when, when we were discovering these things. I was saying, you know, that's very easy. Both those things were very odd and stuff that he hadn't seen down there before. 
And we just kept walking, and then we stepped up into the forest, and uh, you've got a forest there that's probably about waist height of ferns, just completely you know, filled with ferns, and we just went walking up through there. Sat in there for about an hour. Harvey was doing his little tracking and walking around and things like that in a, a little distance from me. Um, we came back from the forest and we kept walking along the track and then we stepped in again to an area where you could walk in. It was very muddy. This is where there was like several footprints, which I've, I've sent you the photos of, or wave photo of anyway, and another video I think you should have of Harvey and me actually discovering it at the time. Yes, yes. So there were about four or five uh, footsteps in this mud and uh, it was very interesting. I'm no expert on feet or anything like that, but it certainly looked like there was five or six footsteps in the mud. Not huge, pretty small. Um, That's interesting. So, And, and you could, they were all the same size? They were all small ones? Yeah, yeah. They're probably about oh, 25, 30, yeah, about 20 centimetres long, by about, probably about by the same wide as well. And Harley was totally convinced and said, yeah, it's it, Something's been running through here, definitely been running through here, and that's certainly what it looked like. Yeah, I, could, I remember so actually was, in that photo, sorry to interrupt you, I remember in that photo you sent me, it's, it definitely looked like something had gone through there. Like you could, it was hard to make out because it was that muddy, hard to make out the edges of the prints, but it certainly yes. looked like there had been sort of foot prints through there. You know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, like, you know, too big to be a wombat, too big to be a roux, too big to be an echidna, anything that you would imagine would, would be down there. Um, you know, it's nothing of that, nothing with a, a foot size that big, obviously. Yeah. I just thought Julaga, you know, that just popped straight in my head and thought, oh, sorry, um, Chandraji, I just thought Chandraji. Yeah. was like, he said, well, we haven't really had any sightings of Jandajis down here, but it could be. But he was totally convinced that something had been running through there, and, and I was too, just looking at it. It was pretty evident that something had been there. That was the first day. And um, the second day we went to another area. This is literally, um, I mean, this is all part of Lake Tyres, but what you got to understand is there is an actual entrance to Lake Tyres, right? The first day we didn't go in through that entrance, but the second day, which was a, a night time, we went in through the main entrance of Lake Tyres, probably about 5k up the road, took a left turn, a bush track, took a left turn. We came into this area that uh, was like a clearing where you could, you know, park and camp if you wanted, whatever. And that's where they go. That's where the um, the natives often go when they have funerals and things like that. They go to this spot. They've got a big fire pit made up there and things like that, you know. And completely surrounded by forest, thick, thick forest everywhere you look. But... To the right of us, again, was the lake as well. So we got to that spot, got out of the car, started collecting firewood to make a fire, and got hit in the face with a big stink almost immediately. What? And, can you uh, describe that for me? What was the, What did it smell like? It smelled like um, decaying rubbish, like household rubbish, and also a bit Werribee-ish, if you like. <laughs> Poo farm, is that what you're talking about? The Werribee smell? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The combination of that and, and just, yeah, just really sort of rotted food, rotten garbage sort of smell, you know. It's just pretty bad. Yeah. I hadn't smelled it before. Harley was right next to me and I thought, I didn't take it this, but I thought maybe he's just, you know, fluffed or something. <laughs> So we pretty much worked out that no, that hadn't occurred. So we just looked at each other and I said, is that 
what I think it is. And he went, yeah, that's what I reckon it is. And I thought, okay, that's pretty interesting. And um, just about a couple of minutes after that, I spotted a um, a toilet block that they'd obviously built up there at some point. And it, was, it looked really out of place because you're in the middle of nowhere, but there was this toilet block. had three sides to it, had a roof on it, but didn't have a, an actual front door to it. And I thought, oh, well, that's obviously where the smell's coming from, you know. So I walked over to this toilet block and uh, stepped inside. Just one of those old-fashioned toilet blocks, hole in the ground kind of thing, you know. Stepped inside and there was not a smell at all. There was nothing. As I say, it was there when we got there and it quickly disappeared. Then we proceeded to sort of sit around the fire for an hour or two, just chatting and things like that, hoping that something would occur. Then Harley decided to take us for a walk around the lake and we went out walking around this lake. Beautiful night, you know, stars were out, just fantastic weather. And we're walking along this lake, and my other friend that I had with me, uh, they started sort of um, getting along really well and started carrying on a bit, creating a bit of noise, <laughs> which uh, I wasn't impressed with. I just had this opinion that if you're looking for something like that, you know, you want to be pretty bloody quiet. <laughs> yes. Um, so I sort of walked ahead of them at this point. We've been walked this walk around the lake, went for about an hour, and I got ahead of them about good 100, 200 metres. I could just hear them, but I couldn't see them or anything like that. And that's when, um, to my right, again, to the right, uh, sorry, if you're walking along this, this lake, to the left is the, the forest where we kind of actually were parked, right? The forest is about, I mean, where we were parked is probably about 300 metres directionally across to where we are on the lake, if mm-hmm. that makes sense, like on a right angle sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm walking along, and that's when I heard rocks, sort of like a, Best way I can describe it is if you're sort of angling down a 45-degree bank sideways with your two feet, if you know what I mean, and you kind of slip, and your foot kind of slips out from under you, and that's what I heard. I heard like a a foot kind of slip onto a rock and little rocks falling down. So it it was like something was looking at me and just kind of lost its footing a little bit. Now, we had torches and things like that, but I wasn't too keen on, I didn't, again, I didn't want to be using too many torchlights and things like that. We obviously had them, and you needed them at times to know where you're actually walking and things like that, but I didn't really um, use a lot of, lot of, lot of that. So I didn't shine a torch up there or anything like that, but I just thought, Jesus, that's pretty interesting. Because the other thing there is, and I know you get this all the time, and I've heard it on all of Dean's reports. There was nothing in the forest. There wasn't was the wallaby. There's nothing. There's not a sound, not a bird, not a cricket. In fact, the only thing you could hear was fish um, flipping around in the water. That's the only thing there. You didn't see any fauna whatsoever. Yes, I've definitely heard that many times before. It's, yeah, it's quite unnerving, yeah. though, when it happens, isn't it? Yeah, it was a bit unnerving, but look, more exciting to me than unnerving, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It was really exciting. But the other thing is, too, you know, you can't let your imagination get the better of you. I mean, we were going down there directly to have a look, so your listeners might think, well, he's, in, he's going to be influenced the second he gets there, you know. But that wasn't the case. I was totally open-minded and just totally prepared to see nothing or prepared to see anything, you know what I mean? Yep. Anyway, that was that. I was just, and I started screaming out to them, come up here, there's something up here. They couldn't hear me, they were too far away. So I just took that in, um, let them catch up to me. We got back, walked back to the fire pit and um, was getting some more fire. The fire was dying down at that point. 
And I walked up the track where Harvey and I initially walked where we got that smell, but I kept walking up further and further because they were still carrying on now. They were getting louder and louder, drunker and drunker, you know. <laughs> so I just kept walking up this, up this track and I got as far as I could, probably about 300 metres in pitch black. And the track's probably about two metres wide. Um, and as I said to you, I, I don't know where I heard this, but I just had this feeling that maybe I'll just try and talk talk out loud to him or her and that's what I started doing so I started saying things like you know uh, you know, I'm here I'm not here to cause you any harm we're here out of respect I would love to see you if you're here a few things like that and the last thing uh, not having any response obviously at that point the last thing I said was I thought to myself well maybe I'm not wanted here so I said out loud if you don't want me here let me know <clears throat> and within about 10 seconds to my right, there was three to four footprints that just went boof, 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 walking closer to me. Right. And that was pretty much it. I mean, that was it. Um, I was there, and as I said, also, as I said to you, I'm determined to see one, but that just put the wind up me. <laughs> yeah, well, I just felt that I had, had received an answer, basically. So I just turned around, started walking back down the track, and it started getting into my mind a bit. And then I started jogging, and next thing I was running. I got back to the fire within about a minute and a half. <laughs> you know, I had to hardly come on. He's up here. There's something up here, and Hartley's like, "There's no bloody way I'm going up there." You know what I mean? <laughs> True Aboriginal just doesn't want to know about it. So <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty much it. And um, and then as we were driving out, we stayed probably another half an hour or so, and I just kept. Then I started doing a bit of thoughts flashing around me, you know, looking up in the trees, looking through the trees. But again, really thick, really thick forest. Couldn't really walk through there in that spot that night. So we're just in this main kind of area where the fire was. We stayed there for about another hour. Um, and as we're driving out, I had to pull over and vomit. I wasn't drinking because I was driving. Didn't have a bad fondue or anything like that. I'm not really a... The person who throws up. So yeah, right. So you just that was surprising as well. Yeah. So you just felt nausea and just needed to to throw up. Yep. Wow. Yep. It's not uncommon. People, a lot of people have reported a nausea feeling after smelling that stink, and also mm-hmm. potentially because of some of the theories are that it's infrasound, um, which you, yeah. So. Sound that's so low you can't actually your ears can't hear it, but it vibrates your inner ear and your organs, so it makes you yeah, feel I'm sick. Familiar with it. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Um, so that could possibly be that effect on you on your body. Yeah, but it was like you know it was a good three minutes out of that actual site. It was a good three minutes away from it yeah. as we were leaving. So maybe I don't know how far infrasound can carry or anything, or maybe it was something that. I don't know. It's really hard to explain. It's just an unusual, unusual vomit, yeah. <laughs> if I can say that. You can, yes. Just very, very unexpected, you know. Very unexpected. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And then, but you felt also, fine after like, that. that? Yeah, yeah, totally fine. Yeah, quite exhilarated. Um, I felt like I'd had a, a positive experience and first time ever. I felt quite lucky, actually. But that's about it. I mean, also, what I should probably should add is. The first day, the Burnt Bridge Cherry Tree area, you can't get trapped at all. I was driving a, a Corolla, and uh, I could hardly get my Corolla down the, through these tracks to get to these two spots, you know what I mean? Yeah. So those, those shots of those um, those felled trees, 
Yes. So I can't get, I can't work that out. That was fascinating. And if, with your permission, when I, I'll, I'm going to put this, our chat on this week's show. So for Wednesday's show, and I'll post the, the photos that you sent me onto the Yahweh Essential Facebook group. So then people who are, people will be able to see what, what you're, what you're talking about and visualize it. Describe those trees. They were quite fascinating. Well, I don't know what type of trees they were, um, but we just came to this area. This is, again, on the first day in Burnt Bridge, where there were probably, oh, I'm estimating now, because I'm not looking at the photo myself, but probably about 100 trees completely dropped onto the ground, stacked on top of each other, about 60 metres long. Uh, does that sort of make sense? Yeah, I, yeah. I I, yeah, it does totally. I was I was really yeah. amazed because it's it, it was really weird yeah. and from what you've described it who would there'd be no reason for a, any human being to create that sort of structure it was no not at all and 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 the the point that I'm trying to say about the the track is too there's no way like you'd get a a backhoe or a tractor down there and you know you just couldn't get into that spot there's yeah. no way and um, why would you do that anyway? I mean, yeah, yeah, you know. So that was that was yeah, absolutely amazing. And that was about three minutes, four minutes before we came across the footprint. Please put them online because I'd love to know what people think about them. And I yeah. actually have more that I can send you. I can send you the photos of the uh, the Ritter Park Swan and the Bashed Bird and things like that. If you'd like more, just let me know. And I'll yeah, send them along to you. Yep, I would absolutely love that. And then I can uh, I can post them. Um, just before the show, so then people can have a yeah. have a squeeze. We've got some dens too on the first day. I'm assuming they're probably for wombats, but they're quite big, right? Um, you know, I, again, I'm not an expert on this, but um, yeah, three or four dens we found that went quite deep into the ground. Actually, climbed into one. Oh, did you? Um, <laughs> so it was big yeah, enough for you yeah. to fit into. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Sort of, you know, going horizontally. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Did they smell at all? Was there a funny smell in there? Or? Yeah, just kind of an animal smell. Not not like the smell that I got on the second night. No, just a, just a sort of a you know animal animalish sort of smell. Potentially wombats, then maybe. <laughs> Look, I, I think so. I don't want to go over the top here and say that that's definitely a yowie den, but they were quite big, and there was probably several that we spotted. So. Right. But again, on that first day even, uh, in daylight, didn't see anything, didn't hear anything, didn't see any, any no fauna anywhere. It was bizarre. So both days. Yeah. Yeah, right. Because we were going to, Harley was actually going to kill a roo, <laughs> and um, we were going we to cook it on the second night at that fire side and try and draw him out. But we couldn't, come, we couldn't find a roo to kill. It was very odd. Yeah, very odd. That was part one of my chat with Yowie enthusiast Brett. You're listening to Yowie Central on 94.9 Main FM. Most definitely the best little station in the nation. If you've had an encounter with a Yowie or you've seen a ghost or you've had a scary UFO experience or any other weird stuff going on, get in touch with me via yowiecentral at gmail.com or via the Yowie Central Facebook group. 
In part two of my chat with Yowie enthusiast Brett Polinus, we go into the correlation between Yowie Bigfoot reports and UFOs and Dr. Melba Ketchum's Sasquatch genome study, amongst other cool things. A couple of other things um, I can quickly tell you about as well was um, well, about three or four years ago, I was on tour with one of my bands and we were up in the hinterland. The road was called Waterworks Road, uh, Waterworks Road, which I think is in a suburb called Ashburn, but it's in the hinterland. In the hinterland of and which? Which Queensland. Oh, Queensland, Queensland hinterland. Yep, yep. Yeah, and we were. Um, we're staying at this um, Airbnb house, and after the gig, we went back there. My mate Brian and I just went for a walk up the street. Um, Waterworks Road, from the from the bottom, it's, there are houses on left and right and things like that, but it's a very steep and very very long road. It goes for ages, and we were probably only even a third of the way up. And by at this point, it was pitch black. It was only us. The only house that was there was us. And no neighbours around into this house. Uh, so Brian and I in our Yowie mode, um, just went for a walk and just get it onto the main road and just walked about 100 metres up into the road. Um, we stepped off the road into where the forest began and we just stood there for 10 or 15 minutes. And, again, this is a completely true story. We heard this bizarre sound uh, coming from, I'd estimate, 500, 600 metres away, somewhere in the forest to our left. It was huge. And if you want, I'll do it. It'll sound pretty good. Yeah. No, no, yeah, that'd be good. Thanks. Well, we're just standing there and we're just sort of not talking and listening to birds and things like that and working out what what sounds were around us. And then we got this thing that just went, it kind of went, Yeah, right. That's interesting. And we just looked at each other and just pissed us off and went, that's him. You see it? That's one. Definitely one. And it didn't sound. Well, what, did it, what did it most sound like to you? Sounds like a yowie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it didn't sound like the machinery. Um, there was um, again. This is coming from a, a very thick forest, to, which is to our left. Um, the town, the, the town of Ashburn, was as I say, fifteen twenty minutes down that road, and not really at that road, more in the centre of, of Ashburn. So. Um, yeah, it came from quite a while away. It was very loud, and it just had that bizarre sound to it. And we just, we were just convinced, both convinced that that's, that's what they sound like. Was that, um, so you said it was hinterland. Are you talking um, Sunshine Coast hinterland or like yes. Umundi, yes, Mullaney way or, um, or Gold Coast? Gold Coast. So, yeah, it's the Gold Coast. Gold that's Coast right. hinterland. Yeah, you know that like the Gold Coast hinterland is one of the hottest spots uh, yes. for... For Yowie sightings, I don't know if you've seen. Um, Dean's got a an interactive map on the AYR website on the main front page. If you scroll down, there's a yeah. and um, search any location. We've got all the reports with a little um, pin mark there. So like you the little, can, little pins, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just I'm looking at that right now, and yeah, there's just there's lots of little pins around there because it's just, we have, we've had so many sightings. Lots and the funny, the, only, the ironic thing was too, um, we were reading uh, 
the Owie, the book that Paul Cropper's book. Was uh-huh. it Paul Cropper? Or? Yeah, Paul Cropper and Tony yeah, Newman. Well, yeah. So I read that as well. But And then, you know, you listen to my people who were influenced by reading that book, but it just wasn't the case. Actually, um, I all these it. situations too, I was I was sober again because often I was driving and things like that. So I wasn't drunk. I wasn't, you know, my hearing wasn't going. My eyesight wasn't going. I was totally switched on to all those things that occurred. And there was one more too that I quickly did mention to you. You've got a report there from a, a couple who were down at Brigalong. Yep. Yeah. Oh, Briagalong, if Briagalong, you like. Yeah. Down. yeah. Well, I went down and stayed at that place after I heard that report with my girlfriend at the time. We were sitting out, the cabin, the, the lodge or the cabin, if you like, that we had had a beautiful drop-down gully, probably about 200 metres drop-down, and we were just sitting out there both nights um, around a fire that we had at the top of this gully, and the sounds that we were hearing were completely terrifying. Things being ripped off, spark being sort of ripped off trees and branches being cracked and snapped, snapped and this and that, and my girlfriend was hysterical, she ran inside and I just didn't want to go inside because I just thought, well, hopefully I'm going to see something here. <laughs> they went on both nights for about two or three hours yeah. and uh, probably from about 10.30 to about 1.30, 2 o'clock, something like that. And I don't know why I said it, but I should have walked down there and I didn't. I didn't walk down there with a the torch. You know, I should have just gone straight down and shine a torch around where I was where those sounds were coming from. Didn't do it. I don't know why. Well, it might have been, might have been a sense of self-preservation because it's, it could potentially be a very dangerous thing to do. Yeah, I understand that. I understand that, but I'm, I'm very determined. But, yeah, maybe you got the better of me. You got the better of me and I didn't do it. The next day, the, uh, one of the owners came around. You know, he's just doing sort of maintenance around the cabin. And um, I asked him about it. Because they've not heard about this report either. They knew nothing about the the yeah, was sighting down there. Um, but I asked him about all the sounds, and he said, "Oh, that's probably just yeah, just rubbing along the uh, rubbing along the trees." And they do that, you know, they just sort of scratch themselves by rubbing along the trees. And I thought, well, okay, well, you're here, you live here, you know what everything sounds like. So I just took him at his word. But in the back of my mind, it was like, I don't know about that. It just sounded too. Too heightened, you know. Too too much activity for a deer. Yeah, right. And he he might not be willing to admit that there might be yowies in the area if it's if it's a you know an, an Airbnb or a rental property or holiday property. Uh, yeah, <laughs> look, that's yeah, totally. Of course, you could totally understand that. But um, I, I didn't get that from them at all. They just had no idea, and I actually sent him the report, and they were blown away by it. Right. I said, um, there is a hermit who lives here and he's about six foot two and he wears a ghillie suit and he stomps around the place day and night. They said, that that would be him. And I said, well, was he eight foot and four foot wide? And, mm-hmm. you know, and they said, well, no, he's not that big. And I said, well, there you go. <laughs> um, the day that we were leaving, though, this is the weirdest because we were there for two, two weeks, two days, the weekend. And the day that we were leaving, I spotted this bloody tea tree thing about 10 metres from the cabin and it was made up of all like thorn bushes probably about six foot high probably about a metre around now I can get this photo too because I sent it to them I don't have it with me but I'm trying to track it down to send it to you because it looks like a classic structure you know and And, and it'd um, be highly unlikely 
if it's all made of thorns and things, it's unusual for human beings to be. I mean, kids wouldn't be using that to build a teepee. Yeah, well, the first thing the girlfriend said was, "That's probably kids." And you can you can easily picture, you know, a couple, a family sitting out there of an afternoon, the kids just playing around in the forest and making little structures and this and that. But this, these are thorns covered they were like thorn. I don't know. They weren't rose bushes. Obviously, thorns from the rose bush, but they were thorn prickly twigs everywhere. That's what it was completely made of. All these prickly thorn twigs. And I sat inside that too. There was a, an opening in there, you know, like a flat, flattened ground area where someone looked like someone would be sitting. Was it in a position that you could, that, that had a good view of something in particular? of the? Yeah, it was probably about, probably about uh, 20 metres ahead of the cabin. So I was starting to, starting to head down that, that gully that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. But yeah, 20 metres away from the cabin, on the, as the gully starting to go downhill to the left in, in where sort of a bunch of trees were. So it was kind of hidden. That's why I didn't spot it the first couple of days. Kind of hidden, but it had a good sight of the cabin and it had a good sight of the rest of the gully looking down. Uh, Just before I called you, I was just checking the map, the AYR map, to see what other sightings there were around the the Lake Tyres spot. Have you read the the Nowa Nowa sighting from January 2007? So now and now um, is no. just it's just up the road from the Lake Tyres Aboriginal Trust. Is that right? Yeah, and it's I'll just read, it's a really quick one, so I can read it to you. Uh, that was a clear sky, no rain, uh, still daylight, and it was at the time when there, when there were bushfires at at Brothen or Brothen. Yep. So it was not very tall, but black hair or fur. It was just walking mm. on the road, not sure if it was crossing the road when it heard the car. It turned around, looked at us and then ran very fast into the bush. We were driving down Rules Road towards Lake Tyres Aboriginal Trust near Nowa Nowa, and we'd just, just come around a bend, onto, a bend of the road onto a straight bit, and there it was, plain as day, standing in the middle of the road. What I was thinking when you were telling me about the footprints you found that weren't very big, person has, they haven't specified how tall it was in this report, but they said it wasn't, wasn't very tall. Yeah, right. So yep, yep. maybe maybe there are Junjadi around there. Yeah, maybe. I thought that was really yeah, interesting. Yeah, right. Is that, is, that a, um, is that a written report or is, a, that, or is that on the uh, – uh, It's a written one. On I, I wouldn't mind actually right. talking to – I don't. we don't have a an audio report contact. of that one. Yeah, no, but I, I might actually contact Dean and, and ask if I can speak to her and do an interview because that would be really interesting. That, that is interesting. So <clears throat> very close – well, in late tides, they said in late tides. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, yep near the near the actual community. Yeah, it's driving down a yeah, r- like, rules road towards Lake Tyres near Now and Now, which is just right near there. And it was January two thousand and seven. Well, that's where we were. Yeah, that's pretty much where we were. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, and your but um, you your your encounter was this year, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, June. That's June right. Yeah. Yeah. Mid June. The other thing, Sarah, is we were dying to go into the community, obviously, and speak to some elders, you know what I mean? Yeah. Dying to do that. But it was when the virus was, it was a bit of unsurety about the virus. Um, we knew when we got down there, we knew for a fact that there had not been one case of coronavirus the entire time this thing's been going. And coming from Melbourne, we thought, um, do we, I don't want to go into late tides, you know, that's this disease. We don't know if we've got it or not sometimes. Exactly. 
unless you get tested, and there was no, we hadn't been tested or anything at that time. And we just took precautions. We thought we better not go in there because we don't want to kill 150 Aboriginals with no. coronavirus. <laughs> no, I'm glad. We've got it. So, <laughs> you made so a good that decision. Was unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, look, I'm going. I spoke to Harvey the other day. I'm going back down really soon now that restrictions are off. I'm going to camp in that spot the second night, which is again a place called Long Point. Which um, what, what place was that? Harvey it says it's called Long Long Point. Long Point. Yeah, okay. that was the second night. That was that was that was the yeah the smell and the footsteps. And things like that. that was a place called Long Point. Okay. So you might find that on the map because these are obviously Aboriginal names and things like that. You know what I mean? And probably um, names that have come from the past type of thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that, that mm-hmm. sounds really exciting. That you, if you go down soon, make sure you keep me up to date with what's going on. Totally. I'd love yep. to hear. You know, if you have more encounters, I'd love to hear about them. And I'd I'd love to come with you too. It's a little bit. It's a bit of a bit more of a drive for me. And I've got yeah. So you're you're in Castlemaine. What's that? An hour and a half from Melbourne. And then it's probably about a two and a half to get down there. Yeah, a bit of a drive for you. I want. Uh, well, I'd I've recommend got, it. Yeah, no, I'd love As an to. Amateur, I'd recommend it. <laughs> um, but I've got dogs, so I'm not sure how I'd manage that. But um, you let me know when you're going to go anyway. Yep. If, if I can join you and come camp for, for a night, be fantastic. Oh, you'd be very welcome. And um, you'd be fascinated by Harley. He's a, he's a hell of a character. Oh, uh, I'd love to talk to him. You, haven't, you sent me his yeah. number, didn't you? I haven't, I haven't called him yet. I've sent you his and I've sent to Brian, my, my friend Brian, who uh, had that experience up in the hinterland. Brian's had sightings, two sightings himself. Oh, that was the um, Halls Gap and Mafra, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. Uh, 83 in Hall's Gap, 95 in Mafra. So he's the guy who sort of got me into this um, initially. And we started listening to this guy, Mike Patterson, who's got this site called Sasquatch Ontario. If it's true, he'd be the luckiest researcher on the face of this planet. Because <laughs> he's been living on this property for months and months, and he stays in his cabin with the owner. And they're out there every night, and he camps out. Uh, it's probably about 200 acres of land. And it's gotten to the point now, I mean, just he's got recorders set up everywhere, so there's hundreds and hundreds of vocalisations. Right. He's taught us to speak English, if you can believe that. <laughs> wow. That's up to you. Uh, yep. So he's got him on tape speaking English, calling him on mic, saying that, things like that. He's got it on tape. Is uh, that on his website? Yeah. Yeah. Sasquatch Ontario. I'm starting to think it's fake. But I'd love you to check it out because for a year I was just totally fascinated by it. I will check it out. Have a look at it. I'll have yeah. a look at it and let you know whether my bullshit my bullshit o meter is yeah. <laughs> is dinging, is, is ringing an yeah, alarm yeah. or not. <laughs> yeah, you make sure that's on high alert when you have a look at this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I generally have to have that on high alert anyway with this subject, but <laughs> I reckon. Yeah. I reckon you yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Brett, well, was there anything else you wanted to add? Well, I think I saw five UFOs once. <laughs> really? Um, yeah, did I tell you that or no, not? No, tell me about that. I'd love to hear about that. Well, I was 17 and it was a sort of house party and then Buddy and I decided to sleep on the trampoline. It was a summer night and we slept on the trampoline. Now, we were drinking, but I was 17. I'd just started drinking, so it wasn't smashed or anything like that. And uh, neither was he. And... As the night went on, people were starting to go to bed inside. We were on the trampoline. We were just looking up the skies and the stars. 
and what looked like to be five stars circling around one star, which is the dead center of that circle. And it was there for about 20 minutes. Wow. And we're just standing there looking at it, or lying there, I should say, just looking at it going, what the fuck? You know, like, <laughs> excuse me, you're like, what the hell um, is this? And to this day, we still talk about it and say, remember that UFO we saw? So, what color were the lights? They just look like stars. They look, literally look like five stars, just a regular star, circling one star in the dead center. How, so, big, you know, how big were they? Think, just sort of regular size. Mm-hmm. It's a regular size star. It's a general size star, you know. But yeah, five of them and one in the dead center of it. You know, if I'm looking at it from, from ground level, it's probably about the, the the circular circumference and the circle was probably about as big as a base basketball, I should say, something like that. That's what it looked like. That was the kind of size of it from, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, so the it, circle was, uh, looking at it from, from the ground yep. and looking at the sky, it was kind of the size of five stars and the one in the middle. Uh, it yes. kind of like the size of a basketball. Yep, yep, got you. Obviously much bigger if you're up there, but yeah, that's what it was like. So that was that. And look, that could be a satellite, but I've never seen five satellites in there. Circling around like that. Um, And how did they? How did they? Did they just disappear, or did they? Yeah, yeah. No, they didn't fly anywhere. They just sort of they just died out um, at once. The five in the circle, they just sort of died out and disappeared, and that one in the center just stayed. (laughs) Right. So I'm just telling you what I saw. I'm, I'm not. I probably shouldn't claim that I saw a UFO. I'm just telling you that's what we saw. Well, a UFO is an unidentified flying object, so that's pretty much what you saw. <laughs> Whether it's well, alien that's, that's, involved or not, who knows? But um, true. that's pretty much yeah, an exactly. unidentified flying object. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're dead right. That's, <laughs> that's, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. It's just a little, um, little hard to say. That's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I know. I've I've seen one too. It was um, it was when I was a kid as well, riding my bike, and I, I was with a bunch of other kids as well, and. Yeah. Uh, I saw, we all saw, something flying not really fast and it seemed to have lights that were spinning around it. We couldn't couldn't see the lights at the back of it. It was like a, what we could see was like a cigar shape, but the lights looked like they were travelling across the front of it and then around it and behind. Well, the cigar shape is, you hear a lot about the cigar shaped one. Yeah, yeah. That's a a very common one, apparently. And no noise, yeah. didn't hear any noise. And I remember, like, I can't tell you how high in the sky it was because I find those distances hard to estimate when it comes yeah, to things in the sky. But it was certainly strange. I, I, I still to this day don't, don't know what it was and I've thought about it. How long did you have it inside for? Um, maybe five, ten minutes. It wasn't, no, not ten minutes, but maybe about five minutes. It was still, it, so it didn't sort of stop and hover. It was travelling, but not travelling super fast, but travelling. Right. Yeah, and I remember we were, we could watch it because we were near it. We stopped our bikes and we were near a, a football oval and we all just stopped and watched it going, what the hell's that? Um, wow. Yeah, no idea though. And yeah. my brother saw one um, when he was a kid, again, riding his bike, and was so frightened, he jumped off the bike and hid under a car because he, he didn't know what the hell it was. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, lots of people have, I've spoken to have little stories like that. 
was also that um, period that uh, there's a relationship between the Yowie and the and the spacecraft. Yes. You heard those stories? Yes, I have. I was just talking to someone mm. about that today. There is, from what I understand, or oh, there's there's a few people working on those theories. Um, Jack Carey has written a book called Paranormal Planet, and his right. theory, his right. theory is that a, a Type Three super advanced civilization has been mm. coming here for some time and experiment well, abducting humans and Sasquatch Bigfoot Yowies and somehow genetically modifying or, or even making hybrids with human DNA and Yowie DNA and mixing it together. <laughs> it's pretty kooky. That's bloody creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's and creepy. What was the other one? I, I watched a doco recently by Lloyd Pye, was a researcher who's, who's well, he was one of Dean Harrison's best friends, um, an American guy. I, had, I, had a, I watched it recently myself. So yeah, I had so a rewatch of it recently, yeah. That Amazing. Every, everything you know is wrong? Yeah, so yeah, that's the one. I reckon he's right on the money. Uh-huh. So I've, I've I've spoken to another another researcher who's a, a good buddy of mine who comes on the show, Jesse Turner, and he's he's he thinks he's right on the money as well. That's what made me um, go back to it, listen to that. Uh, I, I, saw, I saw this years ago, the Lloyd Pye one, but when Jesse was on, that reminded me to have another look, and I did that very night. Ah. And, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look. You know, some of the things he said and some of the things that we really should understand, Darwinism has got a lot of gaps in it. You know, obviously yeah. a true Darwinist believer, but, um, you know, so many branches of hominoids and hominins and things like that that have been around, they're not the only things here. And I, and, and to, to, I guess this sort of blew my mind a little bit, but the idea that at some point an alien civilization came here and using... The, the, hom- the hominids that were here at the time, mm. using some of their DNA and something else, they, they, they created human beings. So we are actually not entirely from this planet, if that's, that's this, according to that hypothesis, uh, which yeah. <laughs> according to Lloyd Pies, and I, that was, I, my mind was going, oh, my God. <laughs> um, but fascinating. Very fascinating, yeah. 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 And, and it had all to do with this, the Sumerian texts and going back to, you know, there's there's evidence of all these, of that sort of thing happening, but it's in very old texts, old old Bible stuff, old, old stories. And, you know, the most amazing thing in relation to all this is obviously finding the hobbits on um, Torres. Yes. I mean, that was just incredible. Yeah. Homo and they were forest. walking. They were around when when people were around. When those people yep. were around, they were walking side by side. Yep. And Dr. Melba Ketchum did a, a Sus- yeah, but Sasquatch <laughs> genome project. Yeah, yeah, I know it. I know it. Yeah. Uh, so, but according to her studies, the DNA from the Sasquatch that they obtained, the mitochondrial mm-hmm. DNA, the maternal DNA was yeah. um, human. But the the paternal DNA was unidentified. So it was like ten percent unknown, ninety percent known, or something like that. Yeah, right? yeah. Has she been debunked though? I don't know. I do know. Um, watching, I watched a podcast with. It was actually a Joe Rogan podcast with Dr. Jeff Meldrum, who's the primatologist. Yeah. And oh, he, Jeff's great, isn't he? Yeah, he's fantastic. 
he what he was a little bit disparaging of Melba Ketchum. So just didn't think she was. But there's been a couple of other studies. There's been a couple of other studies as well saying the same sort of thing. Yeah. But I think from what I can recall about Melba Ketchum, I mean, and and David Polides and all these guys who are in that, you know, in that project. um, He's another interesting. Oh, totally. He's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've got all his books and everything. Yeah. I was totally into it and totally, you know, totally believed it. But then I heard that she started claiming that she's had a relationship with a Sasquatch, like a sexual relationship with a Sasquatch. Right? Okay. That's possible. That's possible. Okay. (laughs) But I seriously doubt it. Well, but they do say there are historical reports of Aboriginal women being taken by Sasquatch. And I have heard... The odd story, I can't pinpoint the details right now in my brain. It'll be in the in my archive somewhere. But I, I yeah. have heard stories of Aboriginal women being impregnated by Yowie-type creatures. And where did I hear? It might have even been somewhere in, in Europe, in the Caucasus or somewhere like that. There was a story mm. of a woman who was abducted, impregnated, came back and actually had children, and those children were... Oh, oh I can't remember, but I was just looking at that myself about two weeks ago. I can't remember. Yeah, but I know exactly what you're talking about. I got yeah, the feeling was it was more Eastern Europe, like Eastern the Alma, Europe, with the Almas, right. like the the Almas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. R- Romania yeah. or somewhere like somewhere in Romania or something like that. That's um, right. That makes yeah. That sounds right. And she had offspring too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which and there might have even still been one living now. If if I, am I remembering that correctly? I'd have to double check. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, me too. But I, yeah, I think. They did say that there's a relative still alive somewhere, yeah. 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 <laughs> Very interesting. So, yes, I, I, I haven't read that about Melville Kitchen, though. I might have to look that up. <laughs> I don't know how serious it is. Yeah, it's just what I heard. But um, look, I, hope she's, I hope she's totally legit. If she has, she's, she's you know, had a great scientific finding. <laughs> yes. But uh, I have this thing about a lot of Americans, to be honest, that a lot of American reports, I think, are bullshit. I don't know why I feel that, but I just do. I just think uh, it's such a phenomenon over there that people were just loving to talk about it all the time. Yeah. You know, there's so many shocking American shows, hunting Bigfoot and all this kind oh, of yeah, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just absolute crap. It is absolute I mean? crap. But there is a really good one, a great uh, podcast, Sasquatch Chronicles. Where's Germa is yep. basically, he, he, it's a bit like AYR and that his, his entire show is is... is interviewing eyewitnesses and he's done 600 odd episodes now and I find I find his the people who go on his show are really credible. Oh, well, I have to listen to that. Okay. Yeah, Sasquatch okay. Chronicles, really really good. And I, so I That's the great thing about Sorry to cut you off. No, you're that's right. The great thing about Dean Dean's show is I, I I haven't heard one on there. I don't go on there to try and debunk anybody, but I, I haven't heard one report that sounds dodgy. I no, mean, well, we just, don't put them on. If we if we yeah, interview anybody um, and it's, if, it, if we interview anyone and it sounds dodgy or you know you're thinking oh, I'm not too sure about this person then we don't. We I don't. wanted to ask you how you do or how you do deal with that. You've obviously had that occur. Yeah, you just and, say okay, we'll get back to you at some point. We might get back to you, or you just hang up, or what do you do? <laughs> no, no. I usually I would finish an interview with someone, even if I was. I haven't had any personally. Uh, I know Dean has had some, but I actually haven't interviewed anyone who I thought was really, really bullshitting. 
people don't bother writing a whole report and then thinking there aren't many people who can get past the whole interview stage. So I don't know whether they bother. Mm-hmm. Like the, the the instances of people hoaxing and bullshitting is much lower than I think the general public realises. Okay. But to answer your question, though, we, we would just interview and then we, we would say we'll put it in our files, um, but we wouldn't right. we wouldn't publish it. So, so you start to sort of hear cracks in the story within a couple of minutes or something, and your your bullshit meters on, and then yeah. that's it. Well, yeah. and that's part of, part of the the interview technique is to let let people talk their way through the whole story first. And then yeah. I and then we go back and ask follow up questions. And you can once you start yeah. asking the follow up questions and asking for more detail and taking them back to yeah. certain points, you can, you know, if, if someone's bullshitting, yeah. the details will fall apart. Um, they, they change, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, and that's very that's very evident listening to um, AYR. That's that's what you guys do, and I love that you do do that. Yeah, dig out Fantastic. dig out as much detail as we can. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And people often rem- like have forgotten details until you start taking them back to you know this particular spot. Now what? And they'll suddenly go, "Oh yes, I I remember now what what the nose looked like." Or I didn't think I'd seen sure. the eyes, but now now that I, I think I could, I think I did. Yeah, well, some, sometimes you repress those things in your mind, don't you? And yeah, it only takes a, a key of some sort to unlock that to to bring it back. Yeah, especially if it's a really traumatic one, if it's a really frightening one, for sure. Brett, thank you so much for sharing your stories with Yowie Central. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Oh, you're very welcome, Sarah. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And hopefully when you get down to Lake Tyres again and you have any further encounters, you can come back and, and let us know what happened. Definitely, yeah. I'm going to be more prepared this time. Definitely going to take down some food to cook and definitely going to have <laughs> a good redwood to, to make a great fire and... Um, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. Take a tape measure. Mm-hmm. So if you find any footprints or anything, you can measure them. Oh, definitely, yeah, that's the sort of thing I'm saying. I want to take, yeah, measuring, measuring tapes and things like that. I even take some um, plaster of Paris just in case, you know. Yes. So, yeah, going to be fully prepared and looking at doing it in the next month. So I'll certainly be in touch with you. Awesome. That sounds fabulous. Well, you take care and, um, yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Hey, um, keep up the good work too. It's a great thing that you're doing and uh, – yeah, look forward to it every Wednesday. And thank you. That's lovely. Well, make sure you tune in this Wednesday because you'll be the star of the show. Yeah, okay. Look forward to it. <laughs> cool. All right, mate. I'll talk soon. Take care. Okay, you too. Bye. Brett Polines, Yowie enthusiast and investigator. Finally today, a ghostly experience that my ghost-seeing guest from last week's show, Jazz, told me about her mother and her mother's great-grandfather. This is really special. Check it out. And so, yeah, because I'm doing the family tree, my mum keeps having this reoccurring dream. And (laughs) <laughs> this my mum's got um, ulcerative colitis and she probably should have had her bowel taken out. She's had it since she was 13 and she's been having a lot of trouble. She had a lot of complications with uh, high doses of prednisone and stuff on her bones and she's very fragile. 
So she's been having these recurring dreams of this man coming and saying, you know, I'm your great grandfather and I want to help. I'm here to help over every night, over and over and over. And one night in her dream, she just said, what's your name? And he said, James. So mum knows that I'm doing the family tree. So she <laughs> she gets on the phone. She goes, what's my great-grandfather's name? And I said, oh, hang on, let me look it up. And she said, on dad's side. And I said, okay, let me, I'll look it up. And I said, James. And she goes, oh, my God. <laughs> okay, it's him. And I thought, okay, that's awesome. That's freaky. That's cool. And then I thought, no, I need to dig a bit further. So I found um, a photo of him and I'd sent her a whole lot of other photos, kid, my kids, um, you know, other family tree stuff and then this photo of him by itself. And she said, that is the man. The, who's that? That's the man I've been seeing in my dreams. I said, that's your great-grandfather. Oh, wow. Anyway, mm-hmm. and then this voice inside me says, you need to find out how he died. And so I ended up buying his death certificate and uh, fair enough, he died of bowel cancer. Oh my god! So something yep. that you said, so, something similar to well, it's not the same disease, what, but something yeah. not like your mum suffering. Exactly. So mum's got really a really high chance of getting bowel cancer. So right. the more she's sick, the more chance um, they've said that you know she's either have to going to get bowel taken out because she will probably end up with some kind of cancer. So yeah, so it was just amazing, and it's funny because I obviously never met him. He died in nine thirty seven. Or you know something like that, and you know I feel like he's been talking to me, and I can feel his energy, and I'm like I don't even know who you are, but thanks, thanks for helping, mum. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> thanks yeah. for dropping so by. I, yeah, that's it. So I really, um, yeah, I really believe that, you know, that they don't leave; they're, they're still here, um, and I do believe that when you pass over, they're there to welcome you, and and and. It's not only my own feeling, but of what patients have said. It's a fascinating topic. It sure is. I could just sit here I, and listen to you for hours. <laughs> I, I, I could literally talk for hours, but I don't want to <laughs> well, chew we'll, your ear off. <laughs> we'll have to, um, we'll, in another couple of months maybe, we'll, we'll have another chat and you can tell me some other stories and we can put that on the show. <laughs> And that was Jazz with her ghostly story. If you've had a Yowie encounter and you want to share it with the Main FM community, send me an email to yowiecentral at gmail.com or send me a message via the Yowie Central Facebook group. That's all we've got time for this week, folks. I'll catch you next week. Stay safe. Out in the cold, out in the dark, something's lurking at the edge of the park. People be warned, people beware, there's a storm on the rise and it's covered in hair. Hear him cry, hear him howl, looking for someone to disembowel. Claws like a hook, eyes like coal, feet so big they're gonna crush your soul. They call him Sasquatch.
might be rich, you pretty young thing Better hide the glint of your diamond ring Your fancy jacket won't be worth a dime When you're sucking the blood right out of your spine Hear and cry, hear and howl Looking for someone to disappear 